You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Welcome to Radio Primavera Sound. I caught up with Peru via New York artist Daniela Lalita recently to talk about her excellent tongue-twisting WLEP, Trece Cerotres, uh, and we ended up in a deep conversation about life, dancing, lullabies, and buclas. Thanks for thanks for taking the time to speak to me. Um, of course, um, it's my pleasure. So, uh, you, am I right in saying you had the EP release party the other night? I did. I did. It was really fun. It was amazing. How did it go? It went really well. I think the part I liked the most was sort of like connecting with a couple of people that I met through the Discord I launched a bit ago. Um, and just like a couple of people that like I know have been following the project for a while and just kind of hugging, you know, just like we didn't even talk because the music was so loud. The DJs were incredible. Ray and Ren, they played the most amazing sets. Um, and and yeah, we just hugged. Like we just hugged and, <laughs> and that was that was like the highlight of the night is just like really connecting with the people that connected with the project, I think. Yeah. And were you surprised by what a big impression that that it made, particularly Tania Razon? I think so, yes. I think I was it's a, it's a kind of situation where like you're terrified it's like you're about to like tell the person that you like that you like them or something like that but you know that there's something going on you know what I mean like you can feel it something's up you know because it may it, it, I kind of felt it after like so many months of working on it non-stop it's almost like you have to have faith that in some way um people are going to connect with something that you've devoted yourself entirely to you know it's it's almost like if that didn't happen, I would be, I'd be really sad because I think I, yeah, my part of my chunk of my soul is in, is in there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was, you don't know what to expect, but I was pleasantly surprised. But also, I was like, ah, yes, perfect. <laughs> I want to talk about the video to that song, if I may, for a moment. Um, okay. It's a particularly strong video. Um, I think I read it was a way of you exercising demons. Oh God, I hate that! I hated that one. I hate. I don't know. You disagree? You disagree? I disagree. I I highly disagree. It was not me exercising any demons. If anything, it was understanding. It was my is my attempt to understand what these monstrous voices at times appear almost monstrous voices in your head are in my head are you know. Everything that tries to pull you back, what tries to like tell you that you're not good enough, that you can't do things, they appear as monsters. And I think that there was a lot of play with shadow and light. And, you know, for example, like the little character was supposed to be the antagonist. No, it was supposed to is the antagonist, but the little character is just, you know, like a 10-year-old girl. Sorry, eight-year-old girl. Naya's a baby and um <clears throat> the only way in which you could like perceive her monstrosity in the video was like by looking at her with her big deformed sleeves and almost just seeing like the light shining behind her on top of this hill so like from one perspective from one side you could see her as like this deformed creature 
but then from another perspective, like in the white room where like I didn't have my what my eyes open, um, me as like the spectator or like the person who's like listening to the song or whatever, you could realize that it's just a kid that's trying to like play or defend herself or shape or deal with something, you know? And I think it was more than anything, um, trying to understand myself and trying to understand why there's this resistance to flourishing and growing and being and being better and, 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 and loving oneself, you know, I think it was an exploration of like the multiple versions of oneself. It had nothing to do with demons. It had nothing to do with um, exorcisms in any way. Um, I understand how, how somebody would see it that way, but if anything, I, I, it actually helped me. It was really therapeutic. Like it was almost like, a performance while having that dance with Naya while she was like sort of, sort of like using her chisel to like shape me and define my movements. Um, I got to understand myself better and I was like, oh, I see. You're just, you're just like a little kid that's trying to like shape things around because you're scared. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, that's more, that's more it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You mentioned um, your movement on the video. Um, I was reading some of the YouTube comments. Not not always a good good idea, but in this case, it was really, it was really interesting. A lot of people are absolutely obsessed with how you move in there. Um, how would you describe it? I I think it's a combination of different things. Um, I got I was very lucky to work with a choreographer Isabel Isabel Legate she she's wonderful and she had a really good understanding of my own movements and she really embraced my movements like she was like very she observed the way that I like moving and she would encourage that which I'm really grateful for like you know like sometimes we would do exercises where um she 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 taught me the well she taught us sort of like the performance of like the movement of like oh chiseling and reacting to to the touch of one's hand and then that's when we thought oh let's give the chisel to Naya and Naya is going to poke you and it's going to be the poking dance and then you sort of move depending on where she touches you um we would do a lot of practices and we would do a lot of exercises and I think in that she saw how I naturally move because I I, I danced ballet when I was a kid um but I left it because I had a traumatizing experience when I was 13. Um, I was in, yeah, <laughs> it was a little, it can be a little bit rough, you know. Um, but I left when I was like around 13. Um, I stopped dancing ballet and I always liked dancing. Um, but I was definitely, I'm really grateful to have been in the environment, the right environment to show my inspirations or share inspirations we had in common. And look at choreographers together and and yeah just sort of like figure out what feels right and what feels natural rather than like imposing something that that that's like you know and she helped me she helped me explore so much about my body and she helped me feel really confident about myself actually and 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 I got to yeah for sure my my level of confidence grew so I think I think that's kind of like a summary of how of how it happened um but yeah now i'm always dancing i really like it <laughs> dancing is always a good thing <laughs> yeah yeah for sure 
I wanted to go back to 2018 and, and Madre, a disruptive environment. Oh. <laughs> how is that? How, how much is that connected to to what you do now with with music and, and video? I think I think Madre. Well, to begin with, the reason I made Madre was um, because I wanted to incorporate what I had learned from apparel design and what I was currently learning from music technology. Um, I was learning how to compose using the Buchla synthesizer with Morden Subotnik. Um, <clears throat> I have to I have to be honest and say that I actually chased him. I knew he was teaching at NYU and I knew he was teaching the music technology program. And I was like, this is my chance. I will find him. And he's like, you know, he basically invented, he invented one of the first, mu- you know, synthesizers in the world, the Buchla. Um, and... And yeah, so it was a privilege really to like learn how to compose with him. And um, I think that the way in which he taught me to compose and all the teachings he gave me of sort of like the biggest is just like how everyone has their own sense of musicality and how everyone should honor their own sense of musicality. He was very, he cared so much about the future. He cares so much about the future of music. And um, to the point where I would show him like pop-ish songs and he'd be like, I don't want to listen to this, you know? <laughs> I know how this will sound. No more. Um, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Uh, but um, <laughs> it really broke my heart. But um, with Madre, I made a film when I was back in Peru and he, I remember he, I was like, Morden, I have this film that I'm going to show right before these nine characters come out. Um, what, what should I do? And he made me research so much and he made me understand how percussion works behind moving image, how melody works behind moving image, how just sound, how, 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 how experimenting with it. Like we use so many different things. And at the end, I remember, um, I went back to Peru and I came back and we were in class. We like, we, we stopped that day. I remember we didn't really work with the bukla. I just showed him, I showed him the final edit of, of, of Madre. It's a video that I haven't shown. It's not out anywhere, but it was, it was shown before the, the performance. But I think that this is the most important part for me, at least. Um, <clears throat> I remember that he showed me, um, I showed him a, a conversation I had with my grandmother and I don't know why after a lot of failures I decided you know why not just put this conversation in the back and I I was really obsessed with shos this Japanese instrument um and I put a Japanese instrument in the back just like a very like high pitch that was like going around almost like like a thread that came in and out and he told me this is the best thing you have so far like this is the most honest best thing you have so far because it's also my grandmother singing this Argentinian song that she was singing to me when I was when I was going to sleep um a tango that she turned into like a, a waltz of some kind just because of the way she was singing it and that made me understand my own sense of musicality a little bit better and that made me understand what I wanted to explore a bit better. And I think that like, I, 
Yeah, I've, I've I've applied all of his lessons. I have this can I can I can go on for so long, but I've applied all of his lessons in everything I do, and I've really, really, you know, it's been five years making the CP, and I've really sort of like worked towards making or creating something that I could that I could call my own, um, or I don't know, the most honest my I don't know. I'm just trying to find my own sense of musicality. Um, and I think that that's the the closest relationship between Melody. I mean, there's also like stories, inspirations, um, you know, the approach I have towards hand sewing, the approach I have towards like how the process is as important as the result. You can find it in the clothing. You can find it in this piece I'm wearing right now, you know. Um, I I have it. I, 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 yeah, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Um, I guess I just hand sew everything, even even the even the songs. Whenever whenever I could do something that's easier by using a plugin, I just end up doing something that like is slightly masochistic, just because it feels like the process is more honest and it feels more um, valuable. And hopefully, someone will hear that and feel it. You know, that's something that he. Yeah, he encouraged. I don't know. I think that's a hard question. I hope I answered this right. <laughs> and, and we got into the book club as well, which is something I wanted to to ask about because <clears throat> it, it's one of those synths that people who love tend to really, really <clears throat> love. I wanted yeah, to ask interested yeah. what you particularly like about the, the book club. What I like about the book club is that it... Um, really helped me create an instrument within an instrument or create various instruments within an instrument, which made me think of like a human being. To be completely honest, what I liked about it most, it's not, it's not like I'm an expert at playing the bukla, but what I liked about it the most was the connection I had with it and how um, it was a thrill to be able to, to start sound from the ground up. It felt like something in me, something primal was being activated, you know? Like, I don't know if it's motherly, I don't know if it's like a, just a human thing, but I remember just like um, during the weekends, uh, I made friends with the, I don't know if I'm supposed to say it on the radio, I made friends with the, with the um, guard and they would let me stay at nighttime. So I would just stay until like 3 a.m. just like, playing around with the bukla and recording things but more than recording anything that I could just be like okay this is a song I would just like ex experiment with it and have a connection with it and I loved it it became like a little creature at times it was like stubborn and like it would just all of a sudden shut off or like be you know temperamental and I think I had a my favorite part about it is that it really made me question everything about life actually <laughs> so I kind of fell in love with it and I think about it all the time and I miss it you know that one specifically yeah. I think that um it allowed me to understand the creation in a completely different way and it made me think about myself and and everything yeah, it got me really existential, but um, it also gave me such amazing sounds, you know, and, you know, every module was almost like an organ and yeah, I loved, I loved it. I think, I think what it made, what it taught me about life is what I liked about it the most because I, 
yeah, I would just stay with it for hours and hours, just kind of like playing around. You mentioned you mentioned Peru. Um, it's a country I don't know as much about as as I as I should. <laughs> um, and but I'm I'm interested. Like, well, you come from Peru. You you live in in New York. Yes. How much of what you do do you feel is quite Peruvian? I think I can't escape. I I moved from Peru. It's not that I want to escape, but what I'm trying to express is that like I, it's not like I can get away from the things I'm used to, or even from the things I I'm I, I crave in in conversations, in people, in food, in in environments, in weather. Um, I moved when I was 18, 19. Um, and I think that, um, it was a really hard experience going to the U S because even the sauces, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, the food didn't have sauces. I was like, well, where's, where's the, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. I, I, I'm not fully satisfied with this. Um, and I think that it has created, uh, uh well, moving to the U S has created a thirst for Peru. And I have a relationship with it. When I come back, I feel like I'm like, my thirst is, <sighs> I've quenched my thirst back again. And I think um, if you ask me what, you know, how, how, how much of it I have in me, it's like, I, I, I think it's, it's almost like my, my identity. I can't really like step away from it, even though I, I live in New York, you know? Um, even if I wanted to, you know, like even sometimes I just try to like mesh, mesh with, with, with people who lived in America, but there were customs and there were things and there were ways of patterns of thoughts and jokes that I couldn't run away from, even if I wanted to. Um, and I think I have, um, I love it. I love, I love my country and I miss it. And I, I really like, I went back recently and I was like, God damn it. Ah, this feels like home. I want to stay here forever. But I know that being far away from it creates this need, this urge to push and grow and create. And whenever I go back, I can relax. You know, whenever I go back, I relax and I'm, I'm too at peace, I think. <laughs> um, but I would say, uh, yeah, you mean music wise? Yeah, yeah. Well, in general. Well, uh, I think, I think for this EP, you can hear a lot of songs and chants and um, a lot of music that I was exposed to when I was growing up in Peru with my mom and my grandma. Um, my grandmother lived in, she grew up in Awankai and my mother, she lived in, in the jungle um, for almost a decade. And so, you know, like I would just be in the kitchen and I would just hear like, you know, just like that. And then I would just be eating my pancakes and where my mom would just be like singing something or then my grandmother would like be playing, I don't know, Carmencita Lara, Lucha Reyes would just be singing something. It's just, it, 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 it depends. Like they both had their experiences and they both have music that is in, in, ingrained, is the word? Ingrained yeah. in their brains, in their brains, culturally, not, not out of 
choice just because they experience different things and um and they shared that with me because that's who they are and I think that aside from that um aside from you know like growing up and being exposed to those songs that they exposed me to or the chants or the hums or the you know night how would you call it night night bed songs um yeah lullabies 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 yeah lullabies that like they would just invent um I think you can hear that a lot in my music um but more than anything apart from that like you can also hear sort of like the the or at least I would like to think the need or the search for magic or um you know fantasy in that because I think that I also when I was on my own when they were working I would just crave a lot of like fantasy because I grew up only with them um so yeah <laughs> I think that's the best way to, res- to respond to it but I don't know you know I, I'm I mean I also really love working with Peruvian artists like Miel Bayumbrosio I love I love going back just because it's what I'm used to you know I just my mom she would sing in a reggae band and Miel's brother was there playing the cajon and I'm just I was just raised like that with with that exposed to that I want to ask about the video for No Para, if I may. Maybe this is me being stupid, but I couldn't work out (laughs) more apocalyptic or more beatific. Uh, I think what I tried to do, I mean, you mean the dress? Well, the the, the whole setting, the background of the place you were, sometimes it looks kind of really beautiful and sometimes it looks post-apocalyptic. Sometimes, yeah, I think it depended on my mood. Yeah, and that's good actually. I think that's a really good thing. I think that people should should interpret it as they as as just like whatever 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 grows in you, you know. Um, but I think that the story of Nepada was um, we went to Arequipa, which was the um, city where my grandmother studied university, and I remember visiting it. And we went to. Um, we were going to this valley where I performed this ritual, which I have decided to not really talk about much because I, I feel like it's so sacred and so special that I, I actually tried to talk it in a it's sort of like a live. And I was like, you know, when something is so sacred and special that when you talk about it, it's 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 its meaning diminishes and it just all you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Um so I performed this ritual that um I sort of not replicated, but I, I was inspired by it. And we performed it in this area that was like El Mirador de las Montañas, super high up, 16,000 feet above sea level. Um, it's a place where you look at the three volcanoes that surround Arequipa. And it's a beautiful, beautiful um, place because it's full of apachetas. And the apachetas, which are just piles of rocks, represent um, offerings that people have made. And you can see thousands of them so in all of these piles of rocks you can basically see people's desires and wishes and offerings and you know it's not only like i want to be you know it's it's more like i'm giving this to the earth and i'm and i please ask you to to give this back to me or give this to me you know it's it's a beautiful interaction it's like a it's a sacred place and so I went by it and I remember feeling insane. I was like, what is this? It's just beautiful. At the time, the first time that I went, it was full of fog. 
Oh my God. And you would see all these, all these piles of rocks, which meant people. It, it was like a, like a, like a graveyard of wishes. It was crazy, you know? And, um, and I was really inspired by that. And then when I was speaking with the directors, we were like, let's go, let's go and let's do it there. Negative, negative degrees, freezing temperatures, horrible, horrible. Um, but in the song, in No Para, um, the song is basically, I took this um, Paradise Lost class where in some conversation we were talking about the devil and here, here, we, here we were actually talking about the devil, but we were talking about the devil in a way where like we were compassionate about it or like it, it seemed very human in some ways. Like it felt like it, it, like we were talking about the devil in a way where like it was just doing its job and it actually felt bad for doing what it had to do, but it, it had no other, there, there was no other way. There was no escape from its duties. And I thought that was really interesting. And so I think, um, you know, sort of battling my own mental, um, my own mental wars, I, there's this thing that I called resistance that tries to stop me, that tries to, I think stop everyone, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not something that's evil. Um, and I personified it and I gave it a face and I gave it a body. And, um, in the song, I sort of like made it go and make a wish and actually try and, and, and hope to not, you know, destroy and, and terrorize and tear things apart. Like in the, in the song, you like, like that your willing and your desire are not tainted by my vanity but that but the wind is on my side like that's just how nature works and i'm here and this is my job i'm gonna do this and i and i dressed her up in this in this dress that i felt was appropriate for this ancient force <laughs> and so it feels like very mythological and you know i also like giving her a little bit of paranoia because she was going up in between mountains to make a wish but she's not supposed to she's not supposed to have feelings she's not supposed to have, to, to feel sorry for the person she lives in you know for yeah. her job she's just had to do her thing so i, I think that that's why i it, it feels sort of like out of this world because it's not really me it's it's uh it's a force of nature yeah Daniel, i've got to say thank you very much for, for taking the time um i can see the time <laughs> slipping away in in zoom and i really don't want to um <sighs> I want to bring off uh well it, it just to close off because that would be indescribably rude um but it's been, <laughs> to me before, i feel i feel bad about it um but no. lovely speaking to you today congratulations again on on the ep um and thank you I look forward to hearing whatever whatever comes next. Thank you so much. It was lovely speaking with you. Pleasure. Have a very nice day. You too. Bye.